You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast, and I know I'm going to mess this up because I just forgot it already, but I'm here with, oh yeah, I can't even, I'm not even going to attempt it. <laughs> one more, one um, more time for me, one more time. João Sanchera. João Sanchera. Yeah, you got it. All right, so please tell me a little bit about yourself and if you want what you do professionally. Okay, so I'm 32 years old. I'm from Portugal, um, from a small town near the capital. It's about 45, 40 minute drive from Lisbon, which is the capital of the country. Um, and I'm a head bartender for three bars right now. So I'm the executive head bartender. Uh, but I spend most of the time in the Zordain bar, which, which is the, the place that I put more my energy into it. Um, I'm married. I have a seven-year-old, seven-year-old daughter, and I think that's that's fine. That's that's more than enough information. It's not like you're giving out a dating profile, but uh, when it comes to bartending, like, what do you find the most interesting part, part, kind of about bartending? I think it's because like I've always had a fascination with it because I'm really into stories. I'm really into like people's kind of like tale of like where they came from. It's kind of why like the podcast kind of helps with that. But like as a bartender, you get to hear everybody's story basically and some of their vulnerable spots too because you know they get liquored up. Yeah, uh, it's it's a little bit like um like speed dating because you're spending just a limited amount of time with people. Like imagine you have a guest that's only like he's a tourist and he's gonna be in your bar for one hour and you feel lucky you got one hour to have a conversation with him. So you get basically that person in one hour is gonna tell you what's more what's more relevant to to him right now. Um, but for me, bartending, I think it's like having somebody over at your at your home. So you're just you're just hosting people, but you don't choose who you're gonna host. So you invite your people, you invite you invite your friends over for dinner at your house, for example. And I didn't invite anyone to the bar. Everyone is welcome. So people show up, and I just host them and make them feel the the best I can. Well, how do you typically, let's say, if I came up to your bar and asked for a certain drink, how do you try and entertain or try and keep me kind of, I guess, in a good mood, you know, especially when someone's going through something as a bartender, being a host, I would say you're looking for tips as well. Yeah. So basically what you're going to do, must, first thing you got to do, you got to, you got to feel how's the people, how's the person doing? If it's, if he's, if he's in a good mood. Or maybe it's a little bit upset. My wife slept with the pizza guy. That is what happened. And I need a drink for that. What would you recommend? <laughs> maybe. First of all, you're going to need a shot. Okay, let's start <laughs> with a shot. <laughs> let's start with a shot first. And then we talk about your drink. Um, yeah, but after that, you just, that sets the tone for how, how is the person doing. And then the, you're going to... You're gonna have to ask the person what he likes, 
what what is his his um his tastes because you don't wanna you don't wanna go above that. You're gonna first got your trust of your of your your patron, see what it he likes, and then serve it to him. And if he likes, then you can build on your rapport from that. Well, it's crazy because people always look at like a bartender, like, oh, you don't want to be a bartender somewhere. It's like, that's one of the hardest jobs, I think, compared to like anything else that a lot of people do, because you have to remember a certain amount of drinks. You have to be able to make any really type of drink. You have to stay up on it, too. And you got to also do a thing that's like um, I I took it for my casino. It's called tips training, and it's supposed to be where you are able to monitor people and tell if they're getting too intoxicated and if it's going to be a problem. Like, you know, when a bartender cuts somebody off, you have to know when that right amount is without pissing off the patron. Yeah, you got to you gotta keep an eye on that. Um, you got to keep an eye. And the best thing to do is just like, you have to do that sort of from the beginning because first and foremost, you gotta you gotta make money, so you gotta sell drinks, but you gotta pace people, you gotta know their pace, see if they are from the beginning, like if they've been one hour and they already had three drinks, you gotta you gotta start to realize or think if the people's if the person is gonna live soon or is gonna stay for another two hours and is gonna have ten more drinks, that's gonna be a problem for you. So the the sooner you catch up to the um, to the problem it's it's better i think well it's crazy because like if you look at a bartender you have to be very good at reading people if somebody comes in uh, like when we say like tips training being able to tell someone's kind of intolerance or tolerance for alcohol that all comes into body weight comes into gender comes into height comes into all these other factors how much did they have to eat before they came in it's like you're looking at them and it begins like the uh, beginning of sherlock holmes where he's like analyzing the whole situation that's literally what it is yeah it's 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 kind of that but like the job I do, I'm more of, uh, so we work more with cocktails. So, and so we are talking about higher prices and stuff like that. So people tend to have like one or two or maybe three cocktail stops. And then maybe they change to beer or most of the times they're going to, they're going to leave the place because they go for a certain ex- experience. And once the experience is over, you, you you go home it's like you go to a restaurant you have your dinner and then you leave you don't you don't stay and you can unless it's a buffet all you can eat buffet you're gonna you're not gonna stay there for very long i think what would be the craziest drink combination you've ever made i don't know um like black garlic um black garlic and truffle for example with mango as well that sounds awful Um, that sounds like i know robin williams has a joke about like um you know the brain and how you can put too much information in it is like a bouncer at a club is basically when you get drunk um you're inviting all these certain you can only invite certain groups that bond together like you know if you're doing beer it's okay to do like maybe a shot or something but once you start inviting all those different liquids the bouncer is your stomach it's got to push some of that stuff out yeah so what what i do when like designing drinks and special especially in this drink 
um, there's only one alcohol in it, so it's rum. So the rest, we are talking about mango juice, we're talking about lemon juice, um, a little bit of um, what you call a tincture, which is just an infusion of black garlic, and then uh, truffle oil. So there's only one liquid in it, so you're not making any any mixture. So you can keep, you can have another drink with rum, and that drink only gonna have rum in it. And the other drinks, they are just like juices or cordials or stuff like that. So there isn't much of a mixture. And the way I do drinks, they're all like very, very light in the sense they don't have, they, are, they aren't like thick drinks like a pina colada, for example, or, or a Bloody Mary, which is gonna be very, very messy. So they're just clear like water. So this, they're gonna be much simpler on your, on your stomach. I'm guessing the age group, like is um, your customer basis would be a little bit different just because if you're doing cocktails and stuff, you're probably focusing towards more of an older age group or maybe um, a young kind of like maybe woman, basically, because they like flavor in their drinks. It seems like everybody my age and in my area, like when they get beer or something, it's the worst tasting beer you can ever get. But the reason why they drink it is because you can get a lot of it for cheap. Yeah, I, I I've been surprised. Like the the last year, for example, like it started out with just more the people, older people with um, with more developed tastes and more money. But now you start to see like even eighteen year olds or or nineteen year olds in their twenties, people are starting to realize that. Um, mixology or or cocktails it's really something you can spend your money on and you're going to be very happy with you with with your drink so people are starting to exploring more the cocktails than they used to be especially in portugal the the culture is really is really changing and i think that the main the the main culprit of it it's like fine dining when fine dining appeared people would say like it's it's very expensive and the servings there are very very poor like very small but nowadays people they don't mind going out if, even if it's once a year but they're gonna save their money to go out to have a nice meal and cocktails is kind of the same like you can have instead of having 10 beers you have a cocktail and you have an experience and you know beer is already is always there for you it's like it's like safe in there. So you can always return to beer, but you can go out and explore. I always look at like, I'm not a big drinker. And whenever I roll up to a bar, I'm usually like, can I get a water? Can I get like a Diet Coke? And I swear I never have to pay only because they just look at me and start talking to me. And I guess they're just like, it's on the house. So I'm like, all right, cool. But like, I look at the menu. And when I'm looking at the menu for the drinks, dude, like I would want something with flavor. Like I'm not a beer guy. I want something that's going to taste good. They had like a... um one called the Rocky mudslide. It sounds like, like what you would get if you had major diarrhea, you call it like Rocky mudslide, but like on the menu, what's in it is like, um, chocolate liqueur. And then they have like a little bit of like fudge and it's basically like a milkshake, but it's with alcohol and it has a little bit of rum in there. Um, some Kahlua or something. I'm like, damn, like that looks tasty as hell. I wish Chick-fil-A sold that on their menu. (laughs) Yeah. You, you, you you get a lot of that. I I always I always say to people that it, 
if you read it on the menu, like you're reading just the menu, it's not, you can imagine the flavor you're going to have on your taste buds, but it's not always going to be the same. Like sometimes I go to a bar, for example, when, when I'm being a customer, I go and I have, I don't know, uh, let's say whiskey because I like whiskey. So I look at the menu, there's a whiskey drink and I can ask for the whiskey drink, but then later on I can be disappointed um, by the drink doesn't taste like whiskey because they put a lot of things and just to mask the flavor of the whiskey and um, then you're disappointed. So the best thing is always ask the bartender how it's going to taste like. Doesn't matter the ingredients, like it's going to be sour, it's going to be bitter, it's going to be fresh. Um, how, how is the drink like? Does it taste really like whiskey? If you got like, for example, some drinks have like pepper in it or chili peppers. You may want to ask, okay, yes, chili peppers, but it's very hot or it's just mildly hot or it's just on the background just to even up even up the notes. You gotta you gotta you gotta feel for that. It's the same thing when you go to a restaurant, like how's the steak? Like it's basically the same. I always ask I would ask the bartender, I would think, to be like, Hey, what do you what did what do you prefer to make? And if they gave me like I like to make um a wide variety of things, but I think what I'm really good at is I'm good at making a good Bloody Mary. Then I would be like, all right, well, give me that then, because if you're good at it, it means it's going to be good when I get it. You know, it might not be something I want, you know, typically if I'm going to be like, I want a mudslide and he's like, I can make you a Bloody Mary. I'm like, but I want a mudslide. I still think if I ask him, Hey, what do you like or ask her, what do you prefer to make? Um, they give me a random drink. I think that would be better than the one that they would make for me that I wanted only because they're probably really good at doing that drink. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think you're, you're correct because it's better to have someone doing what's special for them. And also because they're going to put more love into it. They're going to put more effort um is it, it, it's kind of like if you're playing i don't know a sport and okay i'm gonna put you in defense but he says oh, i'm good at offense yeah but i'm gonna put you in defense anyway uh you're gonna have a bad result so what you want to do is you're gonna ask what what they like to do what what they're special and then let them do their thing and at the end of at the end of the, the day, you can be not happy with it, and you can set it back, or you can criticize it, or whatever you want to do. But he's gonna be more comfortable doing that than the mad slide, let's say. Well, what's your most memorable bar experience? Whether it was you in the bartending service, or whether it was you as a customer. You know, everyone's got a certain thing that, that sticks out in their mind, whether if they remember most of the night. Well, I I have a lot of good experience, but the most thing I I always remember what's it's the ambience, you know, the the feeling of the bar, how people are are doing. If everyone is happy, if you look around and there's a mood like everyone is partying, everyone is having a good time, but there there aren't a lot of excess, you know, everyone is doing a good time. So I can remember. A couple of years ago, I went to Barcelona to a bar called Crabs Al Born. So it's a bar they do, they serve crabs during the during the day, and they are a cocktail bar at night. And I remember I had so much fun. I I had a drink with spinach and uh, and cachaça. 
The drink was very good, but I remember the bar more for the ambience they were in. Though, like the bartenders, they were really happy doing their their thing. They were throwing ice at people. The music was loud. Every time they had a tip, they would ring the bell, and they had like these really long um, uh, candlelights. So they would start to move the candlelights back and forth in, in, right right above the, the counter, the bar. So everyone was having a good time. I think for me, that's the most, the more, the most um, memorable experience. Memorable experience. Yeah. Thank you. I, for uh, me, I had a one point, um, there's a kind of like a local little pizza joint kind of restaurant style thing uh, near where I live. And it's probably like a good two miles away, maybe three miles. So I skate or actually, yeah, I skateboarded from, Basically here, all which is my home, all the way to this little pizza joint because my cousin was there. So I walk in, I'm looking around for my cousin. I don't see anything. I haven't been in there since I was a little kid. It looks exactly the same. So I'm like looking around like I hate being in a fucking bar scenario. Like I just don't – I just, when I'm around alcohol, I just like I don't care for it at all. And I really don't like when people get drunk. Um, but I see my cousin sitting up at the bar and there's only a few, maybe a couple old people in there. I live in a kind of old style community. A lot of old people here. Very, 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 very mean. They got butterscotch fingers of evil, I say. But, you know, I rolled up to him and I sit next to him. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, um, he's like, here, just give me a minute. I ordered a drink and I also ordered some food. I'm like, okay, cool. So he gets this Maryland. We're in Ocean City, Maryland. So we're good here for crabs. We're known for that, our seafood. So he gets like a Maryland crab soup or something with a little bit of, um, what do you call it? A little like saltine crackers that go in it. So he's sitting there eating that. I'm looking over at him and I'm like, man, I don't want to sit there and, you know, watch you kind of eat the whole thing. So I asked the bartender, I'm like, can I just get like a water or something? And she comes over and starts like, kind of like get me a drink, trying to prioritize towards her other customers, which I, I was looking at. And I asked her, I was like, what made you want to get into bartending? And it caught her off guard. But we had this like deep conversation for like five or 10 minutes after, you know, I opened it up, kind of made it feel a little bit more comfortable. Like I was actually going to listen to her because I started to notice bartenders are basically therapists without the degrees you guys sit there and listen to people complain about their problems all day while they drink so it gets worse and worse and worse and you probably hear the weirdest topics too yeah you you get that a lot so basically what what, what i do is just i listen I, I put some input but um the thing is even even in therapists like People just want to get things off their chest, you know, and sometimes it's better with a complete stranger than someone, you know, because it's like, maybe you're not going to see me again. So you can say whatever you want, because even if I judge you, you're not going to see me. I'm not going to have any real input in your life. So I cannot damage your life or I can tell about what you told me because well, it doesn't matter. I just I know your name and where you you are from or what where you what you had to drink, and that's it. So people talk a lot with strangers because I think it's easier with strangers as someone you know. Because if you're telling something to a friend, maybe you're gonna be scared if he's gonna tell somebody, if he's gonna judge you, how it's gonna affect your relationship with him. So yeah, we get, we hear a lot of things from people, and. It's good because sometimes it's like looking in the mirror. 
sometimes you your problem that you also have that problem and you have a different input a different perspective towards the problem so maybe it can help you as well what would you say the weirdest thing you've ever heard from somebody would be or maybe like a sad story or something i mean just talking to the bartender lady um she kind of was prioritizing her other guests and I asked about that I was like how do you manage to get tips like on a night like this there's only a few people in here and as I was saying that people would walk in and she'd be like hi Jim I got you right over here got everything pulled up for you and she got a rapport with the customers that she was having and she was telling me stories like this guy just lost his wife you know due to a horrible like a disease or something and would keep on telling me all these things that she know because she soaked up all this information so i want to ask you what's something that really stuck in your mind that someone has said whether it was a certain topic maybe a view on something or maybe a personal thing that happened to them that kind of made you like really stuck in your mind um i remember one guy that came over the bar and we were talking for a while and then he just cracked, you know, he just signed. Um, he, he seemed fine at the beginning, but then like 10 minutes later, he just starts um, to cry, for example, in, in this case, he started to cry and I said, what's the matter? Can, can I help you with something? And basically what he, what he told me, he just long story short, he got, to his house and the lock was changed so his wife just put him on the streets like he came home one day from work put the, the key on the lock and it was locked so and he called his wife he says i'm not gonna see you again and she she didn't even try to have a conversation with him it's like like go on your own life i'm gonna be on my own life and that's it and he didn't even got his things back. Like he had his clothes and everything at the home. So he was just crying. He didn't know what to do with himself. Like he doesn't have nothing. He's like, he has his wallet, his phone, and everything is back at the house. And the wife just changed locks one day and that's it, you're out. It's most, it's it's a sad story, but it's one of the most memorable, memorable I have. Well, even when, um like, all the bar chatter you would typically hear, what do you personally kind of feel like is usually brought up at the bar table? Like if someone comes by, what do they usually talk about sports? Are they talking about politics? Like I know a lot of people are kind of obsessed with what the world's going on. You got the TVs probably behind you too. You know, how many times you go, I'll switch to sports center, I'll switch to this, or you hear an argument. Cause I mean, I've been to plenty of bars and I've seen a lot of encounters with drunk people where they're just flipping out over nothing. Yeah. I would I would say that the conversation I hear the most, like when it's a group of guys, they're talking about girls, for example, um, and sports, politics, not that much, but yeah, about girls and then and like boy stories, like oh, I was I was going out with this girl and, and stuff like that, and then on group of groups of girls, nowadays it's just a lot of Instagram photos. I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, well, even on your Instagram too, which kind of caught my eye, was the fact that how you um you kind of style your drinks for a certain picture. I mean, a lot of the drinks look very, very appetizing. Would you say that's like the main thing as a bartender you try and capitalize on is the kind of the look and appearance of your drinks? Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna drink your drink with your eyes first. So like you cannot. On Instagram, for example, I cannot put the taste in there. I can say what's in a drink, but then you 
then again, you can imagine how it's gonna taste like. You can imagine how it's gonna smell like. But the picture is more appealing. So you have to have a strong uh, presentation in your drink, because it's gonna caught the eyes of of the people. Like if you live nearby and you saw the picture, like I wanna, I really wanna go there because it really looks good so i'm gonna go there i'm gonna taste the drink so it's one way to promote it but that's on the internet because on the um, on the bar i i don't think that that's really important it's important to people to they they look at the drink and they start to imagine the flavor and starts to build the image of the drink but for me the best thing in bars is for people to connect that's for me, that's the best thing. Like if you're having a conversation with your with your friend, and let's say it's a long time friend, like you've been friends for 20 years, it's it's very it's very interesting to have a conversation with you because you're friends. If you're having a glass of water, that's fine because it's your friendship that's matter that matters. But if you have a nice cocktail, it's even better. If you have a nice meal over it and let's make it a dinner, it's even better. But uh, returning to the original question, yeah, on the internet, you got to have a strong presentation. And you feel like uh, it's kind of like the art of plating, I would say, but just with kind of drinks, like being able to style it a certain way. It seems like I'm looking at your photos. They're very, very, I would say, photogenic. You know what I mean? Like the whole fact is that they look like, you know, like a model took them or they're professionally photographed and compliments to you on that. But at the same time, I think that brings more viewers into your Instagram a little bit too. Would you say that just as a bartender, a good aspect to kind of improve on is also your social media? I mean, I know you're not really supposed to use your phone probably at work, but I mean, it capitalizes on it too, because it can bring more attention to your bar. Yeah. Even like you said, yeah, you're not, you're not supposed to have your phones on during work, but let's say you take, um, 30 seconds and you do a story like the bar is full, people are having drinks and you take a picture and or you do a video like Boomerang and stuff like that that's showing the bar is full and you put it on social media, it's going to be it's going to be uh, like eye-catching for people. If they're going to die on their stories and let's say they're home and they see, wow, this bar is full, I'm going to be there next week. And, uh, and do the pictures the same, like we pay the photographer to to do the pictures, like not something like amateur. It's, it's really important to have a nice social media presence because nowadays people spend a lot of their time in social media and it's like um, free advertising because you're not, like, of course I, I paid for the pictures, but I didn't pay for the space. And if you're gonna put like an advert on a magazine or stuff like that, you're gonna pay for that, and on social media, it's um, it's worth the worth of mouth sometimes as well. People share their image, people share their cocktails. Oh, I'm having this drink over here, and if you have ten thousand followers, let's say that's ten thousand people that maybe gonna. Well, it's also like a materialistic aspect if you look at it too. The whole fact is if you make a really nice kind of glamour shot picture, or a, like I guess a a nice um 
glamored up drink. You know, if you set that thing on fire, people just want to take a picture with it and then not even drink it because it's just going to get them attention on social media. For some reason, like whenever you see some kids at a party or you see someone at a bonfire or you see someone at a bar, they always got to hold their drink straight up and show everybody that they're partying. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? It's so weird. It's like, it's a sign of acceptance in a community. It also like shows like, oh, I just spent $20 on a nice mudslide. It's like, that's just showing me you're inexpensive with your finances. Yeah, you got, like when you got, I, I happen to me a lot, like you have a nice eye, eye catching drink and when you're serving it, people on other tables, they see it and said, I have one. And then you're gonna, okay, this drink has this and that. I, I don't care, just bring me more. And then people don't like the drink. And this happens a lot. Like, People want it just because it looks good. Well, they even, are not interesting. You even said you do primarily cocktails and stuff. And immediately when you say that, like, why do drinks get stigmatized in a certain way? Like when you said cocktails, I think of like a middle-class woman drinking a cocktail. I don't see any guys drinking cocktails. I don't see any of this. Like, is that what you usually get? Or are you getting all kinds of people? We we get all kinds of people. Like in in our culture in Portugal, there's a little, I don't know, um, preconcept that we women tend to drink more cocktails than guys, but it's it's kind of changing because guys start to have cocktails and say, oh, this is nice. So maybe if you put a flower in it, the guys is going to be, oh, it's a girly drink. Yep. Dude, I'll, tr- I'll drink it if it's got an umbrella in it. Are you kidding me? That's entertainment while you drink. That is perfect. Well, it's like, have you ever had a Slurpee before? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you mix flavors up, dude. You want something that's good. Every time I go to 7-Eleven or something, if I get a Slurpee, I want a pina colada Slurpee. I want it to taste good. I want it to have flavor to it. It's the same thing with alcohol. My only drink I really ever made uh, on my own, I made a white Russian, probably one of my all-time favorites, only because it's inspired by one of my all-time favorite movies, The Big Lebowski. And um, I played a drinking game while watching Django, and that's the worst drinking game to play uh, for Django, you just pick um, one of the words you're not supposed to say, and next thing you know, you're hammered yeah. after the first 10 minutes. You know, yeah, it's, it's fun to do games like that, but like at a bar, it just gets so expensive, too. Like, my buddy went to New York City and he spent like 30 something dollars on one Bud Light, like a beer in a bottle in a bar in New York. I'm like, that is way too much money. Yes, it is. If you spend like $30 on a cocktail, that's one thing. I expect a hell of a cocktail, but well, I, I still can justify because when you're paying for a cocktail, especially if it's like a signature cocktail, you're ex- you're paying for something that took hours or days or sometimes weeks to develop. Um, you have to spend money developing the drinks. You have to do tests. Uh, you have to. Uh, play a little bit with the ratios of the drink to do all these kinds of tests to get to the final result to the drink you have. So there's some R&D costs to it, to the drink, but a Bud Light, it's been in the market for years and years. There's no R&D there. It's just, you're just being ripped off, I think. What would you say would be like the worst thing you've ever witnessed at a bar? Not maybe a sad story, but maybe an altercation. Like I've seen... Um, 
uh, this is back when my brother was bouncing at a club one time. Well, it's like a small little bar, I would say, not really a club. Um, it's called Fishtails. And, you know, he's a, a bit of an aggressive guy. He likes throwing people out. He loves that aspect of things. But, like, I remember there was a drunk guy that slapped a woman in the face. Um, the dude started walking down the street from the bar, like kind of just like, like if he was going to walk home or something. And as he's walking all like my brother, I just see him sprint across in front of me in front of all these people, just bumping people out of the way, like pissed off, really angry. And he jumped on this guy's back and we, he did Brazilian jiu-jitsu for a little bit. So he puts this guy in what they call a seatbelt, which is like, if you wrap them around with your arms and legs, kind of like just hop on them and wrap him yeah and he did that and the dude was so drunk that as soon as my brother did that he collapsed and my brother slammed his head against the uh, street and both of them had a concussion and i was like damn but i mean like those things like people don't even consider like how dangerous a bar scenario it is i mean it's fun but when you get alcohol involved it never usually typically ends well somebody gets hurt whether it's a stupid altercation you just don't act like yourself you know you're not thinking clearly and from a bartender's point of view you can get sued a lot as well i mean people can sue you because man you shouldn't have gave me that one more drink and i wouldn't have got that dui it's like but i didn't give you the fucking keys to your car to drive yeah um it's uh, sometimes uh, a lot of times being a bartender is like being a babysitter because people turn into babies when they're drunk because they mumble they stumble and sometimes they saw themselves or they, they puke. So it's sort of like like toddlers. But I can remember just two, now it was a month ago, I was standing bar and it was kind of a slow night and there was a couple that came in, they were French. They came in and they started to, they asked for two cocktails. So I served the cocktails, they tasted all good, okay. so. They sat down at the bar and they're starting to speak. Well, I don't speak French, but they were shouting. They started shouting at each other. And then out of the blue, the girl slaps, slaps him and just goes away. And the guy stays for a lot, two minutes. He pays the bill and he goes after the girl and the drinks just stayed there. They didn't have their drinks to the end. They just, out of the blue, they're starting to have an argument. They fight, the girl slaps slaps him, and they both go away. Then you get that a lot, a lot of arguments, a lot of fights. How often do you get someone that tries to slip somebody something in their drink? Like, I hear that a lot down here, um, at least in my town, a few people during the summer. We're known as a beach tourist town. There's people that get slip drinks all the time, dude. It's, it's, a, it's a real problem, too. And surprisingly, a lot of it is guys getting slipped a drink. Or getting slipped something in their drink, you know, like a pill or something. It happened to me when I was going out, not to me, but in my group of friends. But as a professional working in a bar, I never had a situation like that. But it happened to a friend of mine once when we were we went drunk, we went out drinking, and one girl slipped something into his drink to have his way, and I actually had to go to the bathroom to kind of rescue him. And because things were happening. I kind of am curious now. So what exactly happened? <laughs> so we, we were out drinking. And there was this girl that's kind of a stalker for him, for my friend. And uh, 
she slipped something into his drink because we were having drinks and usually when you're having drinks you go by round so i'm having this round i'm having this round so it was like the third round so you're not supposed to be drunk and he was completely messed up so it was obvious he had something in his drink and then all of a sudden we were looking for him and he was nowhere to be found so i went to the toilet to see if he was there and he she, he was hooking up with a with a girl right there and and he was my friend i said i want i don't want nothing to do with the girl then all of a the sudden they're they are in the toilet so i grabbed him by his by his belt and just pulled him out of the toilet and left the girl there alone and then later we we discovered like talking with the girl she she admitted that she put something in in his drink Man, that's nuts, dude. See, it's like just shows like it's weird because everyone, if a guy does it, they'll say something. There's like this uh, video on Facebook you can watch. It's a girl um, slipping a kind of like a pill into a guy's drink and people see it and nobody says a word. But then when a guy does it to a girl, they freak out. I'm like, hold on a second. Both people can technically be victims in this scenario. Like, you know, it's not just the girl that always gets slipped to drink. It might be the majority, but guys, it happens to them all the time. I'm sweet and innocent. I'll be, I'll probably be slipped a drink in like some nachos or something. I mean, most of the time you go to a bar now, everybody's eating food. It's not even really getting drinks anymore. I'm just like looking around. I see people with plates and nachos and shit. I'm like, I thought was this, the bar was meant to uh, get drinks and stuff, not sit up here and have a meal. Yeah. Um, I always have um, like, don't leave your drink or your food unattended. Like, Sometimes even when I'm on a busy place, when things can happen very fast, someone can put something in your drink like really, really fast. So I never drink, I never leave my drink on a table. And even when it's on my hands, when I'm going to a crowded place, I always put my hands on the top of the glass. So there's no chance of anything going in it. I have that policy for myself and I think people would do the same. It's kind of... It's kind of boring doing that when you're supposed to be having fun, but you can save you a lot of trouble. Yeah, well, some people can't really handle it, too. I mean, as a bartender, you got to think of the backlash. Like, even with a bouncer, I mean, my brother, when he was bouncing constantly in the mail, we were getting court cases and appeals he had to go to because he was constantly getting sued for, you know, people just want to sue over anything. If you touch them, it immediately becomes of that. Like, you know, I get that in my casino, too, doing security or something. Whole factor is if you get handle somebody a complicated way or someone doesn't like the way you talk to them, they can immediately – want to take you to court for it you know it becomes an issue but at the same time like they're in the wrong and then they feel like you know they've been wronged i guess you would say but like even at a bar when we took um the tips training to be able to register and be able to kind of focus and see who's had too much to drink and how to really get them to stop as a bartender what do you typically try and do in that scenario if you see someone's had too much because like they were telling us you couldn't just straight up tell them you've had enough well, for starters, in Portugal, you we you don't have that uh, that suing people over like it's like in in the states. It's not it's not the same thing. We don't have that um, that court culture that everything is um, a suing issue. But none, nonetheless, you wanna be you wanna be nice to people. You wanna let them know easily when they had too much to drink. Then if it, that, that doesn't work, 
you always got the law because they got a paper in the bar that says like, I cannot serve people that they are noticeable drunk. So that's it. You just say, well, you cut off. Yeah, usually you have to tackle it from like a friend aspect. You got to be like, hey, man, like, I think you've had too much to drink. Um, You know, it's against the law to do this and something like that. You got to add that in there. Like the cops could be involved. I don't want you to get in trouble. So then they're like, okay, okay. Yeah, thanks for looking out for me, man. You're like, no problem. No problem. Yeah. First, you want to be a friend. And then, then it depends on, it doesn't depend on the amount of alcohol he had just depends on his approach to life and he can be really comprehensive and maybe go away or try his luck somewhere else. But it's better. You live better with yourself if you know you did the right thing. So if you had too much to drink, it happened before to, to me a lot of times. Like, uh, I can remember three, three months ago I was working and there's, there's this guy that there was a line and he completely cuts the line go straight to the bar with this bill with a like a 10 euro bill and he was just shouting like hey man i need a beer i need a beer i need a beer and first of first and foremost he just got the line so i i I would not serve him just for that but he was starting to be to be obnoxious and then i served everyone and he just stood there on the bar and said you're not gonna serve me i said well no i'm not you're too drunk for stars and then you just cut the line so i'm not gonna serve you that's it no cuts no butts no coconuts unless they're in a pina colada yeah and just look at me and he didn't even argue it was just like you flipped his back and he went away i think it's the best the best he did how often do you come across somebody that might be underage trying to get into a bar like you got to look out for those as well too that happens as well yeah we we don't id people but only if like the in portugal you can start drinking when you are 18 so from 18 years old you can drink uh so you're gonna you're gonna look out for that and there's a lot of guys that come oh but i'm 17 i just want a beer beer is not too much alcohol and i always played safe I try to ID them and they say, oh, I don't have my ID. Well, I'm not going to serve you. That's it. I, there are some guidelines that I use on the bar that I really, I don't make exceptions. And because you can, you can really get into trouble, like with underage, with drugs, stuff like that. It's, it's a big problem and you can, you can get into trouble with the police and stuff like that. You don't really want to do it. It's better. Well, if you don't sell a beer, you don't sell a beer. It's not that much of a problem. But the problems you can have from that, of selling a beer to an underage, they can be a problem. Like imagine I serve the beer and then two minutes later, the, there's an inspection on the bar, for example. You just, you, you're messed up now. That's it. Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, especially like in my town, there's a lot of like, for us, it's 21 here. It's not 18. 
So it does get a little bit complicated. Like we, in my casino, we obviously have to ID. It's the first thing we do in case we see someone young or something, but like, it's an, it's an occasion people come in trying to get fake licenses. And what's funny is there's that bar fishtails I was telling you about. They actually take your fake ID and laminate it to the bar stools at the bar. So you, people sit on your, practically your ID, your face. And it was funny because my brother told me this story of one time he was like, you know, bouncing or whatever. And he hears some guy go, wait a minute, that's my daughter. And it looks, and he was sitting on his daughter's fake ID the <laughs> whole entire time. Like it's, that's crazy. Like I've never even tried to get a fake ID. I just don't look at alcohol that way. But like, you know, I, I'll approach a bar or something and the person that like, got your ID. I'm like, I just want to die Coke, man. That's all I want. I'm not here to drink any alcohol and stuff. Cause you see people get trashed, you know, people order shot after shot after shot, but that all hits you at once. And the next thing you know, you're like trying to stumble to the bathroom. You end up falling down a flight of stairs yeah it, it's not it's not fun at all i i was i was a straight years so i didn't drink until i was uh 23 no 22 until i was 22 i didn't i didn't drink so i started when i was 18 i had a few drinks when i was a teenager like in family family lunches and dinner stuff like that nothing out of the out of the house but then I was a straight edge. And then when I started drinking at 22, I started to realize very fast that alcohol was, it can turn into a problem fast. So nowadays I really drink a lot, but I drink a lot every day, but small amounts every day, you know, it's not, I can spend, like I was drunk maybe, four weeks ago something like that yeah four weeks ago but it was i wasn't drunk for a year before that i really don't get drunk a lot but as i have my profession i drink a lot every day i taste things uh i have a beer here and then i have a whiskey here and then but you know cross like spared throughout the day not everything at once and people really drink a lot and my advice to younger people is like, discover what you like to drink and don't drink too much of it. Just enjoy. Yeah, I had, enjoy. A, no. I had a buddy of mine um, on my podcast a long time ago. He used to be like, kind of like, you know, a little bit of friends. Like I knew him in high school. We were in the same class together. We got, you know, talk, say hi every now and again or something. But he ended up getting to a car accident like the, you know, a few years after we graduated with his friend drunk driving and killed his friend. And, you know, ripped off most of his leg, had to get his leg put back on or his foot, um, had a giant scar on his face and talking to him about all the PTSD he suffered from it. But now what I've seen him do, um, he's completely turned to 180. He's going to schools and teaching kids about the bad effects of drunk driving and the seriousness of when it comes to alcohol. It's more of a privilege, not like a, you know, it's not something to be taken lightly. You still have to understand the severeness of your actions too. Like, you know, calling a cab for somebody if they look like they can't drive or an Uber. I mean, all these apps, I talk shit on Uber because I don't like Uber Eats at all. I think that's too much free range for kids to be able to get delivery food, but it is a benefit when it comes to like, you're drunk and you need a ride home because getting behind that wheel is a dangerous thing. Yeah, it's, it's really dangerous. It's really something you cannot, because you get people, people are drunk, you don't have any idea who's going to drive or not. And it's not something like, it's, 
you can be on your conscience a little bit, but you don't have to how to solve the problem because people maybe they left their cars, I don't know, one mile away and it's just gonna walk and and the bar is the the car is not just in front of the bar. You don't see people walk up to the cars. You know you don't, you really don't have any. And um, me personally, I never I never drink and drive. Never. If I have a drink, I just if sometimes I have a drink and that wasn't the plan, and the car is nearby, I just leave the car. Yeah, it's always the best option. You don't want to get um, into trouble. You don't want to mess up your life. You just look at it. Well, you can walk, you can call cab, Uber, whatever, but don't drink and drive. Yes, Taco Bell's not that important at 2 o'clock in the morning, I can tell you that. I mean, just because the drive throughs open doesn't mean you should be going if you're drunk. You know what I mean? Um, but even like with studying mixology too, how much did you have to really learn about drinks? Like, do you do your own research on it, trying to figure out what are the best and cool combinations to stay on top of, like trending stuff? Or do you do a lot of your stuff kind of on hands experience? Uh, you always want to study. Like, you always want to study. Um, don't look for someone like a mentor or something like that go out, buy books. Um, nowadays, everything is on the internet, really. If you just, if nowadays you can literally, if, if you have a question, you can just type it on Google and something will come up. So if you want to, oh, can I mix bananas with pumpkin? Something like that. And if you Google it, maybe you find a dessert or you can find a dish for, I don't know, from Guatemala, for example. Oh, there's this nice dish and you can turn the dish into a drink, for example. You just mix and match um, after your study. And then I have I have a rule of thumb that even if someone tells you it doesn't work, try it for yourself. Maybe you can get a different ratio and get it and get a good result. Maybe you can't, but at least you tried. It's your own personal experience. It's gonna matter. Because that's the it's your personal imprint that you're gonna wanna leave to your guests. So always try, always try to go the farther you can with your knowledge and always study. That's it. I think spend the the most time you can on the books, on the internet, um, on YouTube, for example. There are a lot of helpful videos. And then just go to the bar and try. Do you try a lot and of making the, the your own drinks at home and practice for kind of going into the bar? Like I know they have YouTube channels like Tipsy Bartender and stuff where people try and mix their own drink combinations up, maybe to spice up their day at home. And especially now, you know, with the virus and everything going on, people aren't able to leave their home. So it's like there's no bars open. So you're sitting around in isolation or something. You got to find ways to study up on your craft. So when you come back um, from this long isolation, you're able to create a craft a nice drink out. Yeah, like for me personally, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna come back even stronger because I have a lot of drinks at home, but it's like sort of a collection, so I don't drink a lot of a lot from them. So what I'm doing is I bought a lot of books during the last two years that I haven't had the time to to read them all. Maybe I just read a few pages for like consulting on a, on a matter not just 
reading cover cover to cover. So now what I'm doing, I'm reading the books and I'm writing stuff down like tips and tricks and uh, ingredients. So I'm just writing them down. And when I'm coming back to the bar, I'm going to try them all. Basically, that's it. I'm sort of ordering knowledge, ordering like these questions, and then I'm going to put them to use because I I never, like you, like you said, I don't try stuff at home. I just go to the bar three hours sooner or or four hours earlier, I don't know, to do the things before my shift starts. I do my tests because at home I just try to relax. Basically, that's it. But I prefer to relax at home and then maybe do a 12 or 14 or 16 hour shift. I don't matter. I, for me, it's no it's no problem. How often do you get pulled over when leaving the bar so late at night? Like I know um, some people down here that are bartenders and like when they're leaving, going home or something at like two o'clock in the morning, they always get pulled over and asked like, have you been drinking? They're like, no, I have not been drinking. I work at a bar and they have to explain this whole thing a couple of times until they start to figure it out. Because I mean, it's probable cause people see you driving at two o'clock in the morning. They immediately want to start thinking that you're drunk or something to pull you over. Yeah. My my answer is very short that I walk home. So I, I leave five minutes. You can down the be road arrested for drunk walking, okay? I've seen some people that have been uh, ticketed for drunk walking because they're I wouldn't even well, call it walking, I'd call it kind of sleeping on the concrete with your head on yeah. using the curb as a pillow. Yeah, but in Portugal that, that doesn't happen. In Portugal you can drink on the streets, for example. You can buy a bottle and just sit on the curb and drink by yourself. It's not against the law. That's what I feel like is okay. The only problem I see with that is if you're really depressed and you're like sitting on a curb and then you just decide to get up and walk walk in front of a car or something. But I mean, it seems like it's not that bad as long as you can clean up your trash and stuff. Like I remember as a kid, I'd joke around with the cops or something. I put an IBC or one of those root beers that look like beers in like a brown paper bag and I would act like I'm drinking it. And they're like, this, this fucking guy, like this kid obviously is not drinking beer or whatever, but it was just always interesting to see them give you like a double take and stare you down. Yeah. In, in, in Portugal, we really don't have that problem. But the thing I see a lot, and for me, it's a major problem. It's a really major problem. Is the amount of pollution that people do when they are drinking, at least here in Portugal. Because since you can drink on the streets, the people leave their cups behind. They leave their glasses, their bottles behind. In because since you're drunk, you have no no conscience of what you're doing. You just Basically, you're just having fun, so you just ignore social rules and and um, and your your role as a as a citizen. Um, so you leave a lot of papers behind, a lot of plastic cups, a lot of empty bottles. People break their bottles on the streets, and it's dangerous. And more than dangerous is a lot of pollution going on. If you walk down the street like at 4 a.m., those really, really, really populated bar streets, it's really a mess. It seems like, um, how do you call it, 
Uh, well, I'm if you drink, you lose me. you lose a sense of respect for yourself and also the place where you live too. Yeah, you know, yeah of course. It becomes your trash can. So, what would you have to say yeah. um, to people out there about alcohol and understanding it so much? Um, you know, being around it basically every single day. Like as a bartender, what would you have to say to anybody out there? Maybe uh, some words on it. Well, you got to learn to respect it. It's like at the end of the day. Alcohol, it's just, it's a drug like any any drug out there. It may be not as strong, but it's still a drug. It's still addictive. It still changes you when you are under the influence of alcohol. So you got to learn to respect it. Basically, that's it. You got to respect the power of alcohol in society and in yourself. So you got to learn when enough is enough. And in my bar, for example, we are we have some low ABV cocktails, so can people can experience flavor, but not as much of the alcohol. So you can have your drink and not get drunk, for example, because well, you're about, being drunk. It's 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 good, it's fun, but you gotta learn your limits. Basically, that's it. Know where our boundaries are. When you have too much, just stop. You're having fun. Just have fun, not have more alcohol. That's it. Yeah, the, having a good time is not worth the risk of maybe ending somebody's life or maybe ending your own. Um, I think that's very important to end on. And I really appreciate you coming out and doing the podcast. Is there anything you want to plug or shout out at the ending here? Maybe your Instagram profile where people can follow you and see your drink combinations? Well, yeah, people can follow me, but... I think right now I want to leave a message to all the bartenders and all the people that are eager to go back to the bars uh, when when this isolation is it's over. I just want to say that hanging there, uh, everything is gonna return back to normal. Just stay strong, and we are the we the bartenders. We are very eager to welcome you back in our bars and to resume our festivities as they were. I think that's it. Just stay strong, stay at home, and we'll see you out there. I think that's it. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast, and stay tuned for our next episode.